Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Hi, everybody. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Kara Diane Festive, and she's a civil engineer by training, and for many years, she worked as, an, as a consultant, but now she coaches women in engineering and other male, uh, traditionally male-dominated fields. I'm really interested to talk to her, especially about what she means when she says that she helps women recalibrate their leadership approach and cultivate their unique leadership style. Sounds pretty interesting. Thanks for, for speaking with that. Thanks for speaking with me today, Kara. Absolutely, Neil. I'm excited to talk with you. Wonderful. First question, where did your interest in civil engineering come from? Well, that happened, I guess, in the high school phase when I was, um, I was invited to be part of a program at my high school that helped students who were good in math and science to go into summer programs and then into a science fair program from that using the research that we did over the summer. And from that experience, I think I got directed into engineering. And then when I got to college, I actually experimented a bit with different majors and finally settled on civil engineering. In part because I went through the bookstore at the library and looked at a bunch of engineering books and I found the, the ones in civil engineering look like interesting topics. So that's how I, how I ended up in civil engineering. Oh, okay. And just from doing a bit of research on you, I saw that you also got a master's in environmental engineering. What made you decide to get a master's? I did. So I, when I was in college, I actually worked at a lab at the University of Arizona. And the, the professor that I worked for, I just went through in his program. So I continued the research that I was doing for him and went through straight from my bachelor's into my master's in his program. They were all water wastewater focused. So the name changed from civil engineering to environmental engineering. It was kind of basically the same program in a water wastewater focus at the university. So. Oh, okay. So when you worked as an engineer, what type of work did you do? You may have guessed by now. I worked in water and wastewater planning and design. So my civil engineering specialty was water and wastewater. I worked mostly for municipalities, small water utilities, wastewater utilities, mostly here in, I'm in Arizona, so mostly in Southern Arizona. And, and as I shifted in my career into leadership, I actually worked less and less in engineering and more and more on the administrative side and the business side of our, of our company. And what made you make that transition from, from engineering to more business and administration? You know, I was invited into the leadership team partway through my career at, at that organization. And, and it was a natural progression for me, I suppose, to move from, you know, kind of the process-oriented engineering into the process-oriented business side of things. And so I, I just ended up taking on over the course of my, you know, my time in, in leadership a number of the 
the programs, if you will, on the back end side of the company, um, business development and communications, you know, it's known as marketing, the safety programs, the facility programs, just kind of all of those things that go into running an organization that aren't the thing that you deliver to your clients. Yeah. Are there things that you learned during your time as an engineer that you used during your, your time working in business and administration? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, pretty much everything that I did when I was one of the owners at that organization has been relevant to being an entrepreneur and being in business for myself. And there's also been a ton of new stuff to learn. It's been quite a roller coaster, quite a learning curve that was surprising to me, actually. Oh, wow. So you were you oh, so you were an owner of that actual business. So when, when, so as an owner, I guess before you were an owner, did you work ever work for anybody or did you, or, or did you come out of school and, and just start working for yourself? Yeah, I actually worked as a consultant for one organization and then moved into the company that I was at for about 20 years. I was there for about 10 years as an employee, as an engineer, project manager, before I became one of the owners at organization. So I, I was brought into the leadership team. And, and then for the last 11 years of my time there, I was, I was one of the, the business owners and there was multiple partners who were um, owners in that organization. And um, so I was in the management team and, you know, in that ownership position there. Oh, okay. So at some point you made this transition into coaching women and, and people in, just in, in male dominated fields. So being an owner of this other uh, firm that you were part of, that's something you left to, to go into coaching full time? It is. Yes. So my history there is about five years ago, I decided to go and take a coach training program. I was in a bit of an exploration phase in my career. What did I want to do with, you know, myself, with my future, questioning maybe what I was, what I was all about and, and what I wanted to be doing. And that coach training program was really transformational for me. And it really pointed me in this whole other direction that I ended up taking. And, and I found that I just knew I, w- I wasn't going to move that organization, that, that coaching direction forward as I wanted to while I was still at this other, at, you know, at my other company. Um, that was just very all-encompassing, obviously, as, as a career path. And, and, and it was a really tough decision to make to decide to move on. And it took me many years of pondering to, to get to the point where I decided, yep, I'm actually going to go ahead and, and leave that company that I'd been with for 20 plus years at that point and, and start my own company. So that was, that, just, that was a decision I made last year and, and the transition that I made last, um, last summer, actually. And, and so since then, I've been building this new organization. Oh, okay. So was there a certain, I guess, a, a certain event that made you decide that going forward, I'm going to be a coach or was it a series of events? I guess kind of, I'm just curious as to what made that, made you make that decision. It, it was a series of events. It was probably five plus years of just exploration and consideration. And, you know, being an engineer, a lot of us have a uh, bias towards thinking about things. <laughs> <laughs> and a bias towards really thinking, wanting to have the right answer. And so I spent a long time thinking about whether that's what I wanted to do and, and 
and there was just a whole lot of events that kind of added up to you know the decision to to move into this new career path okay so what type of services does your, your coaching i guess uh, business provide well, I work primarily with other women in, you know, in either in male-dominated career fields or who have moved on from those career fields. So I am focused on probably women who are mid-career and who are in that same place I was of, of wondering, you know, is this what I want to do for the rest of my career or might I want to do something different? Do I want to try a different organization or is it really something about moving into an entirely new field? And then especially I enjoy helping them if they're going to move into starting their own businesses, really getting that set up well and, and organized so that they can be successful when they make their shift into the new, the new organization. And I also do some speaking and which is a great transition into your topic, do some speaking and do some, some trainings and uh, consulting around organizational side things, mindfulness, and bringing a different mindset into how we, how we function in the workplace. So that's really important to me as well, in part because, because I had my challenges in the workplace and, um, and how, how organizations welcome their employees to be the, their whole selves, I guess. And, and so that was a big piece of, of, what I wanted to bring to the world is, you know, how organizations could actually be more welcoming for their diverse workforce and, and keep people in STEM because there, you know, I think that there's a leaky pipeline in STEM and, and people leave STEM and there's a, a huge variety of reasons for that. But I think some of it is the, the workplaces that we have and, and the opportunities that people have in those workplaces. Oh, okay. You know, when you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, the fact that you work with women in male-dominated fields and specifically ones that leave those male-dominated fields. And do you have, do you have any ideas on re reasons they would leave those male-dominated fields? And, and, and with, are they different reasons than them leaving female-dominated fields? Well, my experience is mostly in the STEM careers, so I can speak more to those. A number of my clients have just gotten to the point in their careers where they've they've gotten more responsibility and they've gotten more more work to do and they've gotten to a point where where it was maybe the the you know what they were getting from their career just in terms of them as a human being was was not commensurate with the level of stress that they were experiencing and the responsibility that they had to take on and you know and that has there, there's a lot of elements of that, um, but I found that a lot of women in, in that mid-career phase do start to question, is this really worth it? You know, is this really what I want to do for the next 20 years of my life, or do I want to go do something that actually, you know, gives me something kind of in my heart and soul as well as keeping my mind active and, and excited about what I do? And so there's there's definitely that shift that I think happens for people in midway through their career where they start to look back and then they start to look forward and then they kind of question like is this really it for me or am I you know am I going to do something else with the, the second half of my career? Interesting. So for the for the women that eventually do you know leave the you know those STEM careers you know mid career do you 
you got just you know from the women you've worked with, do any of them regret ever getting into STEM in the first place? You know, I'm not sure that I would say I've seen regret so much as just yeah, almost like I'm grateful for what I experienced, the things I got to do in my career, and now I'm at a point where I want to look at something else. So it, there's definitely gratitude for the experiences and and for the you know the, the livelihood that that created, and also this other thing of you know what else is out there and you know and who am I in my in my wholeness as a person that maybe that career is you know is not not ever going to speak to so yeah maybe not regret but certainly readiness to move into something else oh okay so so the women that that you that you've worked with at least they if they had to go back they wouldn't say i i wouldn't have, have gotten into stem in the first place it's just i got to this point and now i just want to do something else outside of stem is that actually is that common that, that women get to a point and want to leave STEM, or is that more of a minority of women? You know, I don't know statistics on that exactly, but I do know that there are a lot of statistics that show that a lot more women leave STEM than men, and there's a huge variety of reasons for that. And yeah, that's, that's a really amazing conversation, just why that is and, you know, what are they doing when they leave? But it is something like one in 10 men move on in their first X number of years and one in four women. And, oh. and that's noteworthy, right? That's statistically significant. Oh. By it. So yeah, so there's, there's something going on there that's yeah. worth looking at. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so another thing I really wanted to, to ask you about is when I mentioned in the intro that you help women recalibrate their leadership approach and cultivate their unique leadership style. So when I think about leadership, I think about the people that you're actually leading and you have to lead them in a way that they want to be led. So do you, do you believe that, say for instance, a woman, a woman is, is leading a, a group of men. Is she going to lead them? Does she, is she going to lead them differently than a man would lead those, those men just based on the fact that both people are leading men? That's a great question. And I think what I'm pointing to with my work is really being your own authentic self and however that shows up and not feeling like you have to show up in a certain way to fit in or to, you know, to meet a set of criteria that maybe just isn't you naturally, but, but that's what's expected. And that's what's, you know, that's what you're given to fit into, if you will. And, and that can be really challenging for people. And sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it until you look backwards and think about all the role models I had acted in this way. And so I just learned that that's how a leader acts. And then you, when you start to question that or you look at what really feels good for you and how you lead, maybe that's not the same thing at all. And, and so it's really that, that awareness of what feels good for me as a leader versus you know how do other people lead and and finding your own way there and and that's really important i think for people to be happy in their careers and feel good about what they're doing and how they're showing up interesting um, and it's, it's a pretty complex topic really it's <laughs> there's a lot going on there <laughs> yeah for sure because you know 
I, I was at this conference recently and the one of the speakers was talking about, I guess, DISC. I, I forget what the, the it's an acronym and, it, and it, mm -hmm. I forget what the, what the acronym stands for, but essentially it, it talks about the, the type of, of way you, you communicate with people. And so if you're a, a D, you're, you communicate with them differently than you would the I or an S or a C. So that's what the, the acronym is. I, I, re I really wish I could remember what it stood for. But I, I said that to essentially say that say you're, you know, or you're a female leader or you're a male leader and if you're speaking with a, a D person, doesn't matter whether you're a male or a female speaking to that person. You just have to speak to that person because they're in a certain way because they're a D. But I guess thinking about what you said about bringing your authentic self to, to your you know, workplace and to your leadership style, I guess, is that as important as just communicating with the people in the way that they want to be communi communicated to, regardless of what your authentic self is? That is an interesting question. I think they're very interrelated. In fact, I think when you're, when you're comfortable with who you are and how you show up, it makes it so much easier for you to relate to other people than, than if you're, say, trying to fit into some set of expectations that maybe is less natural for you. So I, I feel like, and especially I'm kind of thinking about my own experience, that, that the more I figured out who I was and how I really wanted to show up, the easier it was for me to see other people and what they needed. So as much as it seems like I was doing my own personal work, it really changed how I showed up as a leader and how I was able to connect with people if that makes sense at all. So it really wasn't about turning outward, it was about turning inward first, and that changed how I showed up out, you know, outwardly. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, enough, so we'll move on, I guess, to the, I guess, the public speaking part of the, yeah. of the interview. So you mentioned that you do speaking engagements, you know, for your, for your business. Is public speaking something you've always been good at? And if not, what did you do to get better at it? Public speaking is actually something that I found very challenging when I first started in my career. And what I really, what I did to, to get better at it was I went ahead and did it anyway, even though I didn't feel like I was very good at it and it made me very nervous. So in my engineering career, I just took opportunities to go to conferences, sign up to be a speaker at conferences and, and share my expertise as an engineer. <clears throat> And just by doing that over and over again, I got much more comfortable with being a speaker, being up in front of audiences. And some of that comes with experience, it comes with practice, you know, it comes with knowing your subject matter really well, which comes with being in a career for a while. Really what was very interesting to me was when I started in this new career, it was a very different type of topic. So I was very used to speaking on engineering topics on technical topics and of course in that realm I was I was an expert I knew my my field and when I moved into this you know kind of more human side of things and talking about mindfulness and talking about who we are and how we show up that was new and that was it. so I actually kind of have gone through a similar starting out nervous and just having to practice and having to get out there and talk about it because it was a new field and it, and it was something that maybe I didn't feel as grounded in because I hadn't been involved in that particular realm for as long. So it's been the same process over again, of just 
taking opportunities, saying yes when a speaking opportunity comes up and getting out there and being nervous and doing it anyway. And, you know, just building that muscle of practicing being out as a public speaker. For sure. Do you have a process when it comes to developing your presentations? And if so, what is it? I actually, I actually, for the most part, know what the topic is going to be. And then when I'm preparing for a talk, I tend to do actually a lot of kind of journaling and almost a meditative process to just let what that's going to be about flow out. And I take notes while I'm, while I'm in that process. And then I use those notes to kind of create what the, you know, what the presentation is going to be all about. So, so it's a very different process than I probably would have done as an engineer in my engineering career, but it works for this, this new, um, this new topic area that I'm speaking about for sure. But it's a very organic and just kind of letting things arise uh, way of doing things for sure. Hmm, interesting. Do you ever get nervous before you give a presentation? And if so, how do you deal with your nerves? I do actually. And what one of the tools that I use is actually just kind of a nervous system adjustment, which is sighing. It sounds kind of silly and it actually literally sounds pretty silly when you do it, but it's, it's just like taking a deep breath and then letting it out with a big noisy sigh and that actually helps to bring your, what they call your parasympathetic nervous system online. So it, it brings that nervous system that is the, the opposite of your fight and flight. You know, so a lot of times when you're going into something that's scary, like a public speaking engagement or anything else that makes you nervous, you're really up in you know, that fight or flight instinct and getting out of that and getting back into kind of your centered grounded self is really key to getting like letting all of that that brain hijack kind of thing go and so sighing or deep breathing is really a good way to do that because it does bring that that other part of your nervous system online and helps calm you and settle and so doing that with a combination of kind of dropping in and actually feeling my physical body so that I actually know that I am not just a head here that's, you know, running and thinking and stressed out and worried, but being in my wholeness as a, you know, as a person actually really gets me ready for being out there in front of a, an audience or, or even doing something like a podcast interview. Okay. Well, besides taking notes, and journaling your thoughts, maybe even having some sort of meditative process when preparing a presentation, and then dealing with nerves by, uh, by sighing. Are there any other tips that you could offer that would help someone prepare and, and deliver an effective presentation? I feel like mindfulness in general is such a good tool for so many things. So I really work a lot with my clients on various mindfulness approaches and practices because those give us so much more access to what's actually going on for us. If we're not in that state of really being attentive to what's happening, we're just going through life pretty much on autopilot, not really aware of why something maybe is coming up and, and 
bothering or, or some emotion comes up and we don't really know why. So that background, like base level mindfulness practice, I feel is really important just for being in a place where then you can notice these things, you can inquire into them, you can really look at the situation and, and feel into the situation in a very different way than if you're just reacting to what's going on and kind of moving through without, without the benefit of being able to take that pause and really, really step back and see what's going on. Hmm. Yeah, mindfulness is important. And, and it's not something that I've ever really thought about in any great detail, but I guess the, the, with the work that you're doing, I'm sure you're helping your clients with just being more, I guess, in tune to their feelings, I suppose. And that is a huge important. part of it. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like people to know about the things you're working on? Yeah, I would, I would love just in general, if, if I can put it out there, I have, I'm pretty active on social media. That's how we connected on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with people uh, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and have them visit my website, which is karadiane.com. I'm trying to think what I have going on right now. Um, I'll probably be putting some content out there about some programs that I'm working on around business ownership and the back end side of things, the things that you need to think about as you, as you go into business for yourself. So that would be a good thing for people to connect with me about as well as just putting, I put a lot of content out there about kind of how I'm living my life and, and the things that I feel like would be useful to people. So hopefully that's, that will be useful to some of your listeners. Wonderful. So the best way to get in touch with you is through your website, karadiane.com. That would work great. Wonderful. Everybody that marks the end of, uh, in, of Teach the Geek interviews, my name is Neil Thompson. I am the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care. Thanks, Kara. Thank you, Neil.